This is Rekindled Teachers. I am your host, Christina McGee, and welcome to Episode 3. Being a teacher during this pandemic is complicated. No one was prepared to take their pedagogical practice virtually. Questions like, how do I continue to have relationships with students? Or, how do I encourage my students, especially given the fact that they may not have the advantage of accessing curriculum at home with a computer or the internet? Or, how do I take this wonderful experiential unit and make it virtual to have a similar effect on learning? Or maybe, who do I turn to when I need help thinking through this lesson plan and troubleshooting this technology? These are just some of the questions that teachers are asking themselves every single day. And when there is nothing to compare this experience to, where does that leave us? It could leave us feeling a little lost and perhaps a little hopeless especially when students are showing up to their virtual classrooms in fewer and fewer numbers. However, as unlikely as it seems, there is cause for celebration. You have made it this far since spring break and you are much more knowledgeable about using technology. You have a few more tricks in your tool belt and you have become a different kind of problem solver. You are resilient. You are making it work, even when it doesn't feel like it. You are the teacher that your students can depend on, even when they seem to be dropping like flies. In this unprecedented global pandemic, where cabin fever and anxiety want to rise to the surface, you are committed in the very best way that you can under these circumstances to making it to the end of this most unusual school year. So just sit for a second and think about what you have accomplished in this past two months. Think about the new ways you've approached students and their learning. Think about the innovative and creative ways you've needed to condense and reshape your curriculum. Think about the conversations you've had with your colleagues and teaching teams to solve problems that didn't even exist two months ago. So, I just want to say this. Thank you. Thank you for hanging in there and giving it the best you've got for your students and yourselves. With that said, Rekindled Teachers is a field guide to shaking off all that BS and kicking some ass one teacher story at a time. By igniting a community and celebrating your teacher stories and understanding teacher agency. Right now is when you need agency more than ever. We all do. And together we are building a community so we can embody empowerment and support each other. We can fight for our students and our profession and we can rekindle our relationships and the passion we have for teaching to become agents of change. For this episode, we are having a conversation about collaboration and how this impacts pedagogical practice. I'll briefly discuss some of my research, and then finally, you will hear a conversation with Diane Drury and Michelle Serapak. Collaborating with other teachers is one of the most important ways that has helped me grow as a teacher. 
I have learned for my own pedagogical practice. I gain more insight about myself and students if I seek a different point of view. This point of view can come from different content areas, grade levels, and years of experience. Many years ago, I was having a conversation with a teacher who taught second grade. We were discussing the use of mentor text to teach specific concepts to students. She showed me several picture books she used to engage her second graders. Her students were always eager and excited for story time. But my juniors, on the other hand, groaned and had magnificent displays of eye-rolling any time I introduced a new novel. From our conversation and looking through a few picture books, I realized that there could be value in having students engage in a simple text to learn a complex concept. From that moment on, I looked for ways in which I could utilize a picture book to teach complex analysis to my juniors. I did find several texts that worked, and I was surprised that my juniors not only enjoyed me reading a picture book to them, but they were able to do more complex analysis with this text. This collaboration between a second grade teacher and a high school teacher offered me a different perspective and helped me to be much more innovative with how I taught complex and difficult concepts to my students. With that said, let's talk about some research. In the first two episodes, I defined agency, discussed power dynamics that influence agency, and introduced the idea of agentic orientation, which is the way in which we change our agency either positively or negatively. Remember that expert power drives agency as teachers are acknowledged for their expertise in content knowledge and pedagogy. And the power dynamics that oppresses agency is coercive power, which happens any time that a teacher fears punishment, embarrassment, ridicule, or a whole bunch of other negative emotions. These two power dynamics activate your agentic orientation. When you are acknowledged or driven to improve your pedagogy, you have positive shifts in your agentic orientation that leads to agency. But the same is true when you feel oppressed from the powers that be, this shifts your agentic orientation negatively. However, one way that your agentic orientation can be shifted positively to have active agency is through collaboration. Many scholars have researched the connection between teacher collaboration and agency. When teachers collaborate on curriculum and instructional practices, there seems to be a strong, integral, and unifying component of teacher agency, and the degree to which teachers engage in this collaboration can strengthen or diminish their agency. One important idea to consider here is that the presence of strong collegial relationships enables teachers to construct their professional agency. Also, Consider that peer learning and shared understandings, aims, and practices can also suggest active teacher agency. So it is obvious that when we share 
our ideas with one another, we not only activate our own teacher agency, but we can activate the agency of our colleagues. Sonia K. Foss and Cindy L. Griffin tells us that rather than presenting a predetermined set of opinions, teachers who collaborate have the freedom to develop and determine options that seem appropriate to them within the context of their teaching. What a novel concept. And that this is the beauty of collaboration because we are not told we have to do something a specific way. We are merely presented with ideas of how another teacher approaches their curriculum and we can adapt those ideas to fit our own pedagogical style. So a key idea that Andres Berg and Nini Wallstrom tells us is this, that an individual teacher's repertoire of agency is not just a question of individual experiences, but that it also is a question of individual teachers' access to the profession's collective experience base. So that's the magic of collaboration, that we don't have to exist in the singularity of our own ideas, but we can join together and increase our professional knowledge base by merely having conversations with other teachers. While there are many teachers who prefer to work in isolation, research does show us that teachers who share their knowledge and experience with others, these teachers have activated their teacher agency. Before we get to the teacher conversation, I'd like to share a story about one experience I had with collaborating, and it was my very first experience with collaborating with another teacher. I was in my second year teaching at a rural middle school, and I was assigned a co-teacher for my first period. This teacher was the girl's PE teacher, and I didn't really know her or her teaching style. I had never co-taught or even planned a lesson with another teacher, so I had absolutely no idea how to approach this. Penny had about a million years of teaching experience under her belt, as well as the fact that she had taught language arts in the past. At our first collaborative meeting, I was really unsure how to approach this, especially since this was my very first year teaching eighth grade language arts, and I was learning a new curriculum, and I had to co-teach on top of that. What I soon learned, and it really did not take me very long, was that Penny was eager and, and positive, and she was super highly creative. But the thing is, is that she respected my expertise, and she truly wanted to collaborate with me. Though I didn't know it at the time, for sure, Penny was responsible for positively influencing and shifting my agentic orientation. We would plan together and she would have the greatest ideas about getting the students interested in whatever topic we were covering. She also taught me about experiential learning and the impact that this plays on student engagement. I remember this one time, it was near Halloween and we were reading Edgar Allan Poe. I think it was the telltale heart. 
and it was Penny's turn to teach the lesson. She had brought in candles and provided mood, mood music. It was absolutely spectacular. It was eerie and Halloween-y and just incredibly engaging. The students were on the edge of their seats and I was mesmerized. That year that Penny and I co-taught was one of the best years of teaching for me in terms of growing as a pedagogue. I learned so much from her about myself and about students. I learned about taking risks and being goofy and not taking myself so seriously. I also learned how to see a lesson from a student's point of view to get the maximum benefit. That's something that I did not learn in my teacher prep program. That year with Penny was so much fun for me. I was involved and I was really engaged in our collaboration. At no time, at no time, did I have data talks or teaching any teaching any specific content so that those eighth graders would pass their AIMS test? Penny and I didn't have those conversations. We just focused on good teaching and student learning. And guess what? The students did great on their AIMS test that year. Penny and I had set our sights on the right thing, which was the students. Now, since my experience with Penny, I seek out opportunities to go to collaborate with other people in any way that I can. Two minds really are better than one. And I learn so much from others than just keeping to my static nature of my own thinking. It is so much better to widen the scope and widen the field, and I get so much benefit in having conversations with other teachers. I'm welcoming today two of my favorite teachers, Diane Drury and Michelle Sarapak. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Today's conversation is about teacher collaboration. And I know that you two collaborated together at one time, though you're not working in schools, the same school or even in similar grades. But can you uh, share a little bit about your experience with collaboration? Yeah. Michelle, you wanna go first or you want me to? Nope. <laughs> okay. Um, for me, collaboration was just, inherent in my teaching. I was in a block program at NAU and we actually took our classes in a portable on campus and went and practiced immediately in the classroom. So I guess for me, I learned that that's the best way to do it. And so I sought people to collaborate. And Michelle came on and she was totally open to it. And I'm going to let you talk about it, Michelle. Okay. So uh, my first year of teaching, I was lucky enough to be parked next door to Miss Drury and right down the hall from Mrs. McGee. And I was feeling a little bit lost, <laughs> um, to be perfectly honest, and a little bit overwhelmed teaching two um, different classes. 
So I think it was the beginning of second quarter and Diane, you, you know, mentioned what you were going to be doing. And I was like, I don't, I don't even know how it started. If I was like, Hey, can I get in on that? I don't, I don't really know, but I think it was maybe Julius Caesar. We were both oh, yeah. going to be teaching Julius Caesar. Mm-hmm. And I, we just decided on a day that we were going to be spending time together in the afternoon and we just started planning it out. You had a lot of material that you brought to Rincon. I was really starting from scratch. So we just spend time together and kind of talk about it week by week. And, you know, what are we going to be doing? Looking at packets. Oh, I don't like this. I don't, I, I do like this. It was not only really important to me because of the collaboration and the getting material to use. And I feel like I was doing a good job. Um, because someone that was an experienced teacher had gone through this, all of these ideas with me. And in a lot of ways, you were also modeling, like analyzing something that was get, like, we had a packet to start with. And you were modeling for me how to go through it and thinking about how is this going to look in the classroom? What, if, what about this person in the back? How are they going to respond? Or, you know, th- this type of kid might be really super engaged, but what about you know, someone who's not so likely to raise their hand. How are we going to reach them? So just coming up with what we're going to do, yes, but also really teaching me how to plan and how to think about all of the different types of, you know, learners and and how to reach all of them was something that kind of stuck with me um, during that time. And then I also was like, oh, I can do some of this stuff for my junior English class. And, you know, obviously we were reading something different but it really gave me a foundation to to build off of for sure i don't think i would have made it through that year without you diane oh thank you you would have (laughs) probably more than you needed to i'm glad i found you (laughs) that's great i was going to say something and i forgot what it was but that's that's the positiveness of it and i think michelle we just we just clicked organically just things seemed to fall in place you were a good listener, yeah. you were a student, you wanted to do well, and I wanted to do well. And I was also getting to be a leader, and that was really important yeah. to me. So what do you think is the number one takeaway from that experience? The number one takeaway, I, I think it, it speaks to just the necessity of collaborating so teachers are not alone behind closed doors. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Number one takeaway, find someone to collaborate with is the first thing. Second, I mean, it, it just helped so much more that, that we clicked and we could kind of, it was an outlet for me instead of just having to go home and tell my husband about my day. It was being to relate to another teacher um, that was there in the classroom teaching the same kids um, that I was teaching. But um, it kind of became like a mentorship kind of relationship, but also a friendship that, you know, really was one of the most important aspects of my experience at that school. But even if you don't have those other levels that we had, just talking through something with another teacher, even if it's quickly, hey, what do you think about this? What would you think if you were, you know, a student? Or how could I make this better? Even if it's a more brief conversation, um, I think it's just really, really important to have someone else look over what you're planning to do because they're always going to bring another perspective that you hadn't thought of. Do you think it's important to have similar teaching styles in order to have effective collaboration? I don't, I don't think, think it is. No, 
Yeah. I mean, you have to be real. You have to do your thing in your classroom. You can't sit in somebody else's seat. You know, you have to do what's what works for you because then your students are going to see it as inauthentic. If like I did some observations with Diane and but if I was trying to you know have her same teaching style I wouldn't have been as comfortable as I as I was just taking what we talked about and and doing it my own way it would have seemed contrived I think enforced and I would not have been comfortable you know up there teaching if I was trying to act like someone else you just gotta go with your own your own self yeah and our teaching styles were way different but we were effective. Yeah. Yeah. You were effective in your collaboration. And I think we were co- we were effective with our kids too. I, I think that by going through, and like Michelle said, going through step by step by step of a, of a lesson, that helps making sure it's easier to teach and you're being effective and you're meeting all the, the levels of the kids. And then it was kind of nice too because we would come back together. Like you taught the same class five times during the day, whereas I taught you know, juniors and then sophomores, juniors and then sophomores. So as you would go through the day, it would probably change a little bit. You know, we're always changing things and thinking on our feet when we're like, oh, that didn't work. How am I going to make this better for the next class? Sometimes what we planned together would turn out very differently with what we actually did because of our own analysis, you know, and uh, changing things as the day went on. But then we'd get back together and talk about what we ended up doing and, and could kind of evaluate that together and, and get some more ideas from each other, which was really cool. How often did you guys collaborate? I think oh. formally once a week. Yeah, once a week. But we would we would get together after school or when, when Michelle had time, you know, because she's got the little ones. We, we met as often as possible because we liked getting together. We liked each other, you know, yeah. and it was working. And then every day at lunch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh how's that going? Oh, man. So now that you're not working with each other, how are you finding collaboration with other teachers or with other situations? Um, for me, I went, I retired and then I went back to teach this year. I just, I couldn't make sense of retirement. <laughs> so I went back and I'm in a middle school right now. And I forgot the question you asked me. Oh, so um, this, this pandemic created a situation where, you know, we were all going away from the schools. And I knew I needed to have, I'm an ELD teacher, and I knew I needed to have translations for my parents because I don't speak that good of Spanish, don't speak that well. So I just, perchance, or my great smelling nose, found a teacher that needed also some time for her work, and she's a Spanish teacher. And she offered for her services to translate all my Spanish month uh, Monday memos and anything else that needed to be translated I don't know how it happened it just did you must be the collaboration whisperer oh yeah that sounds good <laughs> I like that I would agree <laughs> so how much collaboration um, happens for you Michelle the, the school that I'm working at now basically the way that we're organized there are two teachers in the classroom um for the majority of the classes that the elementary school schoolers are in. So collaboration happens on a daily basis in, in those classrooms, kind of. It's not really like a planned type thing, but you learn how to read the other teacher and, and kind of work off of them. If you notice that, you know, a particular group of students might benefit from an additional explanation or example, 
you can chime in and, and kind of work off each other in that way. But much like we did when we all worked together, we have lunch together as a second grade team. So we've got humanities and math teachers and all of the learning expert teachers, which is what I am, as well as Mandarin and just all of the teachers that are available during that time. So there's a lot of informal kind of bouncing ideas off of each other. Oh, hey, I found this thing for um, the class that we're we would all teach like a project-based class where you grab content from humanities and math and music maybe and, and do a project that brings all of those together. So when we'd find things, we'd bring it up. Oh, yeah, I'll send it to you, that sort of thing. It's definitely not to the extent that Diane and I did, and I do miss that. But there's still lots of idea sharing that is that is going on. I also have my own little translator <laughs> at my school when I got an email that was 100% in Spanish, I'm like, ah, help me out with this. And, and she's, you know, the same position that, me, that I'm in, but she sat in on a parent meeting so that she could translate for me and the other teachers. And then just like afterwards, I'm, you know, finding myself talking to her about that family and getting some ideas of what might work you know, in the communication aspect. And so I, I feel like I'm always kind of collaborating. It's, you know, in a, a more informal way, but there's too many things on a teacher's plate to do on their own if they're going to be sane without that collaboration, you know, so. Absolutely. Um, so I'm curious how collaboration is working during this time of isolation when you're actually not at school. My team, I, I switched over to a team because the team I was in last semester, it just wasn't working for me. They weren't ELA teachers. They weren't ELD teachers. They were technology, which is a language-based approach. I just didn't get the collaboration with the English teachers that I needed to. So what we've done is the school district has purchased Zoom and they purchased a larger package. And so now I get to meet with my kids once a week. I get to meet with the ELA teachers once a week. And I get to meet with the sixth grade teachers once a week. So we've kind of made our schedule. So everybody gets a turn. We also have, well, we have daily faculty meetings. It's mostly updates about what we're doing, shout outs for, you know, positive parent feedback and that sort of thing. But also we have daily grade level meetings. So it's kind of like the people that would be at lunch, but if they had a different schedule, if they were PE or tempo or whatever, um, they might not have the same lunchtime as us, but they would have to be in that second grade meeting. So we're talking about you know, what's working? What have I heard? What is some feedback that you guys have gotten? What can we do to make this situation easier for all of us? Um, so we've made changes to the way that we've sent out material and things like that based on sharing ideas and feedback uh, with each other. Um, so that's a nice little check-in. Some days we're like, so anything else? Anyone have anything to talk about? But other days, there's a lot of things and, you know, depending on what we've heard from parents or, you know, a new uh, requirement that's going to be rolling out the next week and how to go about doing those things. We have to create a packet that goes out to all the second graders. So there's probably seven or eight people that contribute to that one packet. Um, and then we make videos describing, you know, the different what's in the packet for the students. So we, we just work together on a daily, weekly basis on, on all of those things that are going out and 
and the experience for everybody. Wow, that sounds really awesome that your setup is in such a way that you can collaborate with other teachers. And do you feel like you're very isolated in terms of the team that you would normally work with in your building? Do I feel like I'm isolated from them right now? Yeah. Not right now because I'm in grade level meetings with them every single day. So we touch base. I found but one teacher who was my daughter's teacher last year, right when this all happened, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm about to lose my mind. So I texted her and I was like, do you mind if I just text, ask you random dumb questions if I miss something or forget something or confused and I think it's a dumb question and I don't want to bring it to the team. Do you mind if I ask you those dumb questions? Cause I'm about to lose my mind. And she's like, go for it. So, you know, she would check in when we had at the beginning, when we had due dates, she'd be like, hey, did you get that post out or whatever? like, oh, yes, I did, but thank you for checking on me. I, I still feel connected to them. That is really awesome, really positive. That sounds like a really positive atmosphere. Diane, do you feel disconnected and isolated from your team? I am a team amongst myself. I am the only middle school ELD teacher. So I don't really feel cut off because of my experience, but I sure enjoy going to those meetings. You know, and hopefully I'll be attached to the ELA this year and it will be, it will be effective for me. I'm just going to say thank you very much for taking the time to have this conversation with me. I really appreciate your time and energy and taking this time out of, well, Michelle, especially your busy schedule with uh, your kiddos and everything like that. I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you so much for having us. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That was such a great conversation with Diane and Michelle. And one takeaway from that conversation is that we don't have to lose ourselves when we collaborate with others. We can maintain our authentic teacher self, but just get ideas or get a different point of view. And that will always lead to positive teacher agency. The recordings and the uploads of the podcast have been a little inconsistent, but look for each week a new episode on Monday mornings. I invite you, the listener, to follow Rekindled Teachers on Instagram to join the Rekindled Teachers Facebook group. I also invite you to send a voicemail if you'd like about your story or maybe the story of another teacher to rekindledteachers at gmail.com. Tune in next week when we have a conversation with a fairly new teacher and his experiences surviving his first years of teaching and surviving this pandemic. I would like to say a very special thank you to Dr. Sarah Cooper at Murray State my mentor, Dr. Flory Simon, who saw something in me and encouraged me to become the teacher leader that I am today. Thank you to Tiffany, Emily, and Brian, the greatest team members ever. I am, of course, indebted to the teachers who volunteered to be part of my research. Thanks to Diane Drury and Michelle Sarapak for joining me in conversation about collaboration.